Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Hey yo, it's the Conzi with the most. I am your host. I'm joined here with our co-host Brian. Brian. Hey, how's it going, Brian? Pretty good. It's been a fun day at gaming so far. It's been not too <laughs> bad. Gaming, a little bit of food, dogs, and food, cats, Dags. mass Dags. hysteria. It's pretty much all of it. What's going on? It's been a while. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, not much. We played some bolt action. We did play a little bolt action earlier today, and we're going to actually talk about bolt action in today's episode, as well as talk about buildings and how they impact Warhammer games in today's Warhammer. So I think it's going to be a very interesting kind of conversation and thought and topics, and hopefully we'll have some great insights that we can share with you. Dun, dun, dun. Now recently have you been up to doing anything i've been working on any hobby painting um, models you know? not really i guess i mean i was down at the store for one of the paint days i think i put a little bit more paint on my ghouls but um not anything worth mentioning <laughs> but well, i've been doing a lot of assembly though i've been uh, building a lot of bolt action stuff so well, I would say you've been up to a little something. You at least put up a blog post telling us how you're, oh, how you're yeah, doing it. Oh, yeah, I did do that, finally. Yeah. <laughs> I finally actually published that. It was more or less done a while ago. But, yeah, it's finally up a blog post about the ghouls. Uh, just like a quick rundown of the technique I'm using from the kind of the Citadel book on how to paint them and pictures, show what they look like at each step and kind of thing like that. So Yeah, you make sure you can cool. check that out on whiskodice.com. It's a... Great little article there. It's a nice read, actually. It's not. It's written pretty well. Yeah, I, I kind of probably put a lot of effort into it more than people might look at it, unfortunately. <laughs> but any newbies out there, I think that's who will really benefit the most from it. Anybody who's hesitant about putting a paint paintbrush to their models, or anybody who's not really sure where to start, I think those will be the people who would want to check it out. Well, I thought it was enjoyable, so <laughs> we'll we'll leave it at that. But otherwise, yeah, I've been assembling quite a bit of bolt action. I think I almost doubled my force. Since my original little bit of assembly, we played one game where we finally had a well. You had your stuff assembled for quite a while, but uh, I finally had enough to I had ten guys put on assembled. the table. <laughs> on the table, so we played a quick game, and then that went really well and it was fun. So I've been trying to get more together and working on collecting a force. I finally picked up the U.S. Army book, so I had a little more direction of where to go. I have my own rule book instead of just keeping yours for a year <laughs> or whatever <laughs> I did previously. And I don't know, it's been pretty cool. It's fun building the guys. It's just a lot of infantry men, so that's kind of getting a little boring when I was building them. But I finally put a lot of their pack on them just like in the past few days or whatever, and that adds a lot more look to the model because I pretty much just built them plain without all their gear and stuff, just dudes holding guns originally just so I could get them on the table faster. But no, they're looking really cool. I'm pretty excited to paint them up real quick. I think it'll be a really quick, easy paint, nothing fancy. Yeah, you seem like you've kind of <clears throat> went all in on on buying stuff too so you've got a little bit yeah 70 ish now infantry that you own total i own that many yeah and i mean the american kit's good for putting together officers and other teams sniper teams bazooka teams and everything so kind of covers all bases i did get the assault on normandy box i think i'm going to put up a blog post about that that's a really good deal if you can find i mean it's normally priced like 108 dollars or something like that from warlord but you can pick it up like 70 bucks from amazon ebay kind of sources and that makes it a heck of a deal. You get uh, 40 infantry, there's 20 Americans and 20 Germans. The rule book, which I think is like 
$35 or something by itself. So yeah, something like that. That's a really good start. And then the infantry are probably worth like 50 bucks or so. And then you also get some ruined buildings in there and a handful of order dice so you can get a game on the table right away. Yeah, it was a. It was basically uh, for the size of the mm-hmm. stuff that comes in that game. That was the size of the starter game we played. What three, four weeks ago? Yeah, we played it a little smaller than that. Even so, we could have even yeah. had a little bigger one. And yeah, we had ten, twelve, fifteen guys yeah. aside. That probably would have been the best thing for us to buy right away. But I still sold you the other Germans out of there. So that's really good if you can go in on with somebody and yeah, nearly split it. I mean, I kept the rule book and stuff, so. Yeah, no, I think it's a, a great, a great, a really way to good get a intro. Starter, yeah, yeah, and then you have a good force to start with already. You just need some support, and depending on how big a games you want to go, you only need a little more things to get up to like the standard thousand points or so it plays at. So yeah, no, you throw in like another, you know, just you know, taking that starter box, you throw in another uh, box set of twenty five guys. Or yeah, whatever, a box of dudes, some and... of the support teams, and like a vehicle of some kind. You're done. Yeah, you're you're so you're pretty well cool. on your way. That's to... only like a hundred bucks ish if you total everything up i mean you can get by pretty cheap it's yeah definitely not an arm breaking yeah. type game so i picked that up along with the u.s book i kind of bought those together and then once i got my u.s book i got a little more handle on what i wanted to put on the table i picked up a box of the ranger infantry it's more or less the american infantry just plus some metal bits for like five bucks more so sure. i kind of missed out on that originally i just picked up the american infantry box at first but it would have been really cool to have the extra bits from the ranger kit but that'll be really cool. I'm excited to get those guys together and get the special pieces in there, flamethrowers and such. Yeah, that'll be cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to... They, they basically yeah. have a German equivalent of that kit, and I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to picking that up as well. Yeah. So that'll be fun. But I got some other purchases to figure in there. I still don't have my weapon teams and stuff like that. Need machine guns, mortars kind of thing. And a vehicle probably of some kind, possibly. I think sure. I'll keep my force pretty inventory heavy. But anyway, we'll talk a bit more about how the game plays shortly All right. in our whatever gaming spotlight is what yeah it's definitely <laughs> so you're being interrupted yeah we're being interrupted come on in sir <laughs> all right we'll go ahead and take a break here and when we come back we'll go ahead and and get on with the show Alright, and we are back. Back for more shooty goodness. Yeah, more shooty goodness. So, I go ahead and I'll just quick recap what I've been kind of up to lately in the game. I've been working on, from fantasy from the hobby side, I've been working on dwarfs a lot lately. Why are you uh, doing that? Man? Well, dwarfs are my first army, <laughs> so I, I love them. And I feel like I'm a lot of dwarf myself. There's a lot of dwarf personality in me, so... Finally found your inspiration to... Yeah, work on them. No, get them I, back on the table. I finally, I finally just had enough of not playing them after a new army book came out and watching. You know, we have such a huge number of dwarf players at the at the store. <laughs> yeah, show them how that, proper uh, dwarf. Yeah, fights. I was. I, <laughs> there was some of that, but also, like, if I wait to till we're back down to like two or three dwarf players, it'll be, the army book will have been out for six months, a year, mm-hmm. and I, I won't. You know. <laughs> Everybody will be sick of seeing dwarves, or <laughs> or the next greatest thing will have come along, and dwarves won't really be super good in the meta or Hopefully anything like some that. Brats. 
Bretonian. So, yeah, nobody cares Ooh. about them. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope they're not ruined. I don't know if I'll even play them. But. So, a lot of that. But then I, I decided to take Bretts to Quake City Rumble, a QCR out in San Francisco, which I'm going to. And so I submitted my list. The list submission was right before Blood in the Sun. And I submitted, when I submitted my list, I submitted way too many models I need to paint. <laughs> Something like, I think in list submission, I was down like 40 or 50 models. Oh, really? You're trying to keep it pretty minimum. Yeah, Did you change I, it from that it, after you played a game well, or something? Well, I decided, like, I, I wanted Great Weapon Warriors without shields. So I don't have any of them. I didn't have any of them done. Does that just save you some points then? Kind of. Uh, it saves a few points. And, I mean, I've got 24 painted with shields glued on them, so I can just pop the shields off, worst-case scenario, mm-hmm. but over-ambitious myself there. <laughs> and then I added, like, 10 or 12 more hammers I need to do, and 10 or... Do you have those done already? I know you did a bunch I'll, of hammers. I know. I still have, like, five or six or seven oh, to go okay. before the unit's finished. And then I'm rebasing at least the hammer mm-hmm. unit. Um, I did see your very cool general. Yep, the new Dwarf up. Lord. I've never had a Dwarf Lord on Shield Bearers. I just did that. Just finished that. Finally there's took a, the plunge. Co- there's a couple of bits I need to touch on on the touch up on the back of him, but he's otherwise he is done. He is he looks pretty cool. I'm very happy with him. Yeah, it was a pretty customized model. Yeah, yeah. I used the standard Shield Bearers from the from the King Alric Shield Bearers, and then I used a, a Dwarf Lord from Cyborg Miniatures. And then I convert. I did double hand swaps. So instead of in his left hand, he's got a beer mug. He's got a beer mug from the <laughs> Warriors kit, kind of holding it up there. And then, and then he's got in his right hand. Instead of he, the model came with a hammer, a big great hand, uh, like two handed hammer that he's holding. But instead, I've got him with a big axe from the Longbeard kit. So it looks, I, I really like it. And since my Dwarf Lord is Dugan Bright Axe, it makes sense. He's got to have an axe. It has to be an axe. And yeah, it's, it, it, I'm, it's probably the happiest I've been with having my Dwarf, where my Dwarf Lord, as far as the model is, trying to represent that idea of who Dugan Bright Axe is in my head that I've ever had. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty <laughs> happy cool. with that. He definitely stands out. This, the scale difference with the Cyborg Dwarf makes him jump just a little extra. <laughs> You know, like the dwarfs that are holding him up are a little bit smaller. He has a pretty big hat. And then you have this hat, giant, too. massive dwarf on top of the shield. So yeah, so it looks. I think it looks pretty cool. <laughs> I've got already got ten of the great weapon warriors painted up. I've been able to finish those. You've been having to build those too. Haven't yeah, you? I had to build them. I've got them all built. I've got them all built now, all primed. Same with the. I might. I may end up building some more hammers, but I don't need to at this point. Yeah, and I've got all my slayers I need built. I just need to get them painted up. I think there's only like three or four more slayers I need to do for the list, officially to paint up. So that's pretty good. Go, it's, I guess it's still How long quite do you a bit have? stuff. Uh, it's like three-ish weeks, I think, maybe four. That'll be some so, work, I yeah, guess. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the bonus is like the warriors. I can pop shields off of twenty-four other ones that I already have built and painted. So. Yeah. Uh, while it's kind of a pain, I hate popping shields off of models with them. They're already glued and put <laughs> together. It's it won't be so bad. Yeah, they're painted and everything. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go ahead and, and move on to our gaming spotlight. 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 <laughs> spotlight. Wow, that was like an echo or something. <laughs> so we 
kind of hinted that we're going to talk about bolt action for our gaming spotlight, and that's what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, bolt action is the World War II historical 28 millimeter kind of skirmish-ish. It's all, I don't want to say 40K-like because the game is not 40K-like at all. <laughs> no. But it's, you know, if you give yourself kind of get your in the mentality of of, you know, what the game looks like visually if you're just going to walk by a table. That's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, it would really look like You know, that. you have vehicles, you have tanks, you have artillery. You know, you do have, mm-hmm. like, artillery. One of the things I never see in 40K really are, is artillery. You, you see, like, walkers and Regular things like tanks that. Regular tanks and stuff. You never yeah. see somebody pull up with, like, an artillery piece <laughs> and, you know, a three- or four-man crew firing. It just does not something you see a lot in 40K. <laughs> um, but you have that, you have the vehicles, you have transports, you have all that kind of stuff. Pretty so much anything you can think of. Yeah. I mean, it's... From by World time, War II. Yeah. By the time you get to World War II, it's pretty close to modern warfare, mm-hmm. so it's just... But it's a primarily infantry, yeah. like, fought battle, it's, I guess. It's definitely driven off of these, um, yeah, I don't know, squad-based yeah, combats. Yeah, like, yeah, platoon with rifle squads. Yeah, is usually your base. Like, kind of the minimum the, army composition, you have to have a kind of your leader, which is your officer, and then you have a couple squads is the minimum to start. And then that kind of... You scale it up from there, that's like one platoon, and then you get a limited amount of, like, reinforcements for that, and then you can also have a second platoon or more, which you have to start with the same officer and a couple squads to get the base for before you can add the other support elements in there until you get up to... Usually it's played at 1,000 points. I think I kind of said that earlier. Yeah. And, like, I, a rifle squad, I think, is about, like, 30 points on average to start with the minimum guys, usually. Yeah. and they've 30, it's, 50. It's kind of nice, too. They've got a couple of starter kits. Like, if you're not sure and you just want to buy 1,000 points worth of stuff, there's mm-hmm. a couple of starters that are out there for 100, 150 bucks. So you just go buy the starter and, boop, you've, you've got everything you yeah, need. Yeah, pretty they much. They give you a list on the outside of the box. Here's 1,000 points worth of stuff. Yeah, go. I think every army has a starter set, and, yeah, it's only a little over 100 bucks for a 1,000-point army, and then, yeah, you pretty much have the list wrote up already if you don't want to think about it too much. But. So that that basically leads into why, why did we choose to play uh, Bolt Action by Warlord Games, and that's... <laughs> Largely because it's something different, and it didn't cost us a lot of money for yeah. another miniatures game. and it's very fun. I mean, it's way different than anything we've been playing. I think that's what it really hooked me. Like, I was kind of turned off. Like, I didn't really want to play a historical or anything or have much interest, but now that I played the game and just the style of the gameplay is really unique and interesting, and I like it compared to everything else I've been doing. So the history element isn't too important to me, but it's a really fun game to play. Well, what what do you mean style? What so why is this style um, differently than say Warhammer? Well, probably the most unique thing is the turn setup. Um, otherwise, everything else is kind of your usual thing you would think from a game. But uh, they use order dice. Like each unit you have on for each army goes in a bag. So your opponent and your dice are in a bag, and then for a turn sequence, you draw a dice out of that bag, and depending if it's yours or your opponent's, uh, that's who gets to activate any one of their units. And you just keep going in turn like that. So it's you're constantly changing your plans, reacting, trying to hoping you're getting that next dice to move your squad for some offense or defense you need. And it just keeps you in the game like the whole time. You're not sitting there waiting for your opponent to finish their move and stuff like that before you get a chance to counter. You can maybe cut something off before you get overrun and stuff like that. It's just really kind of back and forth. I think it's a really just fun representation of how a battle would actually be fought. There's just faster time to react and just more option in there and you're always in it yeah no and you definitely there's a 
there's a certain factor of do I do I uh, I need to activate like these three units, but I have no idea. It's I've got my dice and <laughs> I have no idea if I want to activate. You know, I need to activate all three of them. I can't activate all of them. Yeah, you can. So I've got to kind of pick the you know which one do I want to do because as your units come into under fire too later in the turn, if they start coming under fire, you get what's called pitting markers on your units, of which I saw a lot of those today. <laughs> yep. And when you get pinning markers, it makes, when you decide to give your unit an order, so once you, once you get your order dice and you decide you're going to give that unit an order, you there's a chance that they're not going to follow your orders, that they're just going to go to ground because they've been under too much fire. Yeah, normally they'll follow no problem, but yeah, if they've taken fire, they're going to possibly keep their heads down in the dirt and not listen to what you want them to do. So and I had you know we had pretty decent troops so yeah. all of our stuffs yeah we're know, fighting all regular which is all, pretty all regular average yeah. not quite veteran but that doesn't make a huge difference how you rack up those pin markers is probably the yeah but once you rack up two or three negative. once you rack up two or three pin markers <laughs> like I was racking up it's, yeah that was the most we've had in the game it's very difficult to get the squads to do yeah. what you want them to do and then you know you're like okay well I really need this squad to do something and I really need this squad but this squad's got two pin markers on well if i don't activate them maybe they might get blown out or blown off mm-hmm. the table or just pinned That's, down even more or you know or if i don't activate them now they have they may be pinned down worse than <laughs> you know by the time i get a chance to activate them and at that point if they if you you know you go and i found i not only did i find out but i had it happen <laughs> to me several times today like okay well I'll activate this unit it's got a couple pin markers take the command check oh i fail guess what the unit I, the unit failed, so basically they sit there and do nothing now, mm-hmm. and I've basically wasted that activation. So if I've <laughs> used it early in my turn, you know, if it's like one of the first draws, all of a sudden, psh, darn it, it's basically like giving my opponent a free go. A little bit, but I mean, it's still up in the air who's going to get that next dice. Like, now that that failed, you can try and, uh, you know, fix your plan, have something else happen there to is that. make up for your one unit failing. But yeah, it can do have those crucial failures in there, but... I think it's really cool having that pin system. I mean, you're not just killing the guys. You're able to control kind of your opponent's force and stuff. I mean, when they're getting shot at, yeah, they're not just going to keep running <laughs> out in the open and stuff like that. They're going to kind of dive for cover, stay where they're at, try not to die. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So uh, it's definitely a very fast game, too, in, in regards to total gameplay. Now, we're not playing huge games by we're any means. We're playing pretty small, but... yeah, we're. We hit about 400 points, I think, today. 400 we today, yeah. Shooting for, so just under half of what you're looking, for, what we what we think feel like an average game is, mm-hmm. and it took us. We were done in like two hours. I yeah, think. Well, a little. We started more. probably about 12:30, but we had some breaks. Yeah, we had a few breaks and looking up rules and such like that. And yeah, this was only our second game, so we were still through, figuring some stuff through out. Six turns, and, and as far as complexity too, that's another really nice thing in this game. Mm-hmm. For overall complexity, there really isn't a lot of uh, of overtly complex rules. No, it's uh, like oh hey, I'm a, you know when you see say like regular and veteran troops. Well, all that really means is that's the dice roll your opponent needs to hit them. That's kind of like their toughness more so. Yeah, yeah. like whether they're gonna how easy they're gonna get shot. <laughs> how you know veterans have a have sense enough to keep their heads down a little bit better. And yep, move through cover, so it's a little harder to hit them. Conscripts, which are you know, <laughs> basically would be like you and me off the off the street. <laughs> I'd probably be worse than a conscript. You'd be a little bit better because, let's face it, <laughs> I'm a large target. Conesy with the most. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have sense enough to keep their keep their heads down. They're mm-hmm. fresh. They're really you know under trained. They didn't go through basic training kind of troops. You know, maybe they're local militia or something like that. And it's by far easier to shoot them and 
it's harder to get them to do what they want, do what you want with them. But yep. And it's represented in their point cost. Yeah, I think, I don't know, it seems like they thought just about everything. There's not anything, like, blatantly, like, how could they, like, flub this rule so bad kind of thing and stuff like that. Like, I haven't yeah. come across anything like that yet. and It's just been really fun playing I it. mean, if you're so. a hardcore historical player, maybe you have some issues with the historical effectiveness of certain guns or <laughs> tanks or whatever. Yeah. I know I kind of look at the points cost between, like, an M4 Sher- M4... A1 Sherman tank and uh, a tiger. tiger uh, <laughs> or what was it? Was it a not a? T- it was a Panzer and a Panzer us four. I think yours was like four hundred or points off, or something. Off H or whatever. Yeah, and it was. It was only like thirty points more. And in real, in reality, that Panzer would have easily <laughs> two or three Shermans. Probably the equivalence is what my understanding historically. Mm-hmm. Um, so but, yeah, there, I guess there could be a little bit stuff like that. So. That's where I'm not really concerned with the historicalness. That doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> so, but and we haven't played with vehicles, so we don't know how close. That well, you is tried to really. play today. Well, it yeah, was in our game. Have, I don't know if you actually played had, with it. I did have a half track in the game, and <laughs> it it didn't do a lot. But yeah. I I was also the defender, so having that vehicle that gave me that additional mobility was kind of a hindrance in my list. Yeah, it didn't really provide as much benefit yeah. as it. It could. definitely would have been nice to know going in. Okay, here's I have two lists. Okay, I'm playing the defender. Here, I'll, I'll take my defender list. Yeah, you got to put some more guys together. Yeah, I definitely got to get <laughs> some more guys together. So yeah, a very good game. Lots of fun. Uh, really very cheap recommended. To get into, very yeah. cheap to get into. Um, I, I can't say enough about it as far as uh, that kind of a game. So um, yeah, definitely go check it out. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. <laughs> For once, we actually agree on a on a gaming spotlight. <laughs> We've agreed on some before. Yeah, occasionally. Just definitely not that firework game. No Hanabi. Hanabi is really good. (laughs) Don't listen to him. All right. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by our friend Kenny. And we're going to go ahead and talk about Warhammer buildings and kind of lay out what our thoughts are and how you can use them to your best advantage in a Warhammer game. Okay, and we are back. Back. So, let's talk Warhammer buildings. Before we get to talking, hey, let's make sure we introduce our listeners to our new voice. Our very famous guest. Kenny from the combat (laughs) phase is back in studio with us. Hey, Kenny, how's it going? Good, good. How's it going here? I'm doing very well. So, buildings. Let's kind of... Kenny or Brian, would you, either of you like to kind of just overview the basic building's rules to start with? <laughs> we both look at each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the main thing is, I mean, you can either walk in a building or walk out of said building, but once you're... I guess the main difference is only that the combat's probably the biggest thing with the Warhammer buildings. I mean, you have to... You can't march into a building. You can't charge out of a building are probably the two movement phase things. Magic, I don't think, really has any variants at all shooting i guess template weapons i think do d6 hits automatically when they hit the building yeah, rather the than strength yeah multiple strength yep yeah the highest strength flaming you get uh re-roll to wound i think yep if you shoot flaming into the building and otherwise yeah like i said combat's probably the biggest thing when a building's assaulted uh it's just 10 guys from each side i think it's limited to like three or something if they're bigger 
then uh, well not more than three probably like five or something i don't remember i don't remember the units for, for whatever monstrous stuff yeah but ends you're up. also only allowed to assault a building with one unit at yeah time, you can only fight one huge. unit at a time so but i think like... this the combat the rest of it is i mean you're fighting straight up it's just straight up wounds are all that matters uh for the combat so it's down to the how good your model is at fighting which is kind of brutal for how the rest of the warhammer game works out so that's a big change i think as far as playing a battle goes so it's straight up fighting and if the the defenders have to win in order to kick the other guys out or the they have to break and they're steadfast yeah. But so if you don't break them, you just bounce an inch off, and then you got to start over on your turn. Yep, the defenders and like are no steadfast in so the building. And... It's pretty hard to get somebody out of a building, in other words. Yes. So definitely, uh, it, what I think we gather out of that over that rules overview is that buildings are definitely a a huge factor in, or can be a huge factor in Warhammer games. I think they're a big mechanic shift. Oh, you know what? You can add to that too. Uh, shooting. So if you're shooting in the building, if you have a unit of shooting troops that are garrisoning the building, oh, shooting out then the you building. can shoot from any of the edge. So yep. it's a way to, to get a little bit extra. Yep. But also if you have a, a board, like a building in the middle of the board, and you're talking about vanguard moves and everything, you can't have that unit come up. If that, yeah, so say that unit's right in the middle. Like the size of yeah, the and building. it kind of stretches yep. out. So if you, you have to have 12 inches like between, uh, it's not the center of the building, it's the edge of the building footprint mm-hmm. itself. Yep. So one one of the things I, I quick point out here um, that I find with buildings that folks tend not to remember, and you, you did mention in your rules review here of what buildings are, but that's the you cannot you know, the movement phase functionality. Uh, so you can't march into a building. It yeah, a lot of people like want to do that people, yeah. or march out of a building. Yeah. You can't do that either. Nope. You when you move out of a building, you're placed in base contact with a building with one of your ranks which is yeah your back rank and then yeah. gets to touch and then you form your unit up from there yep in exactly valid now from a tactics perspective this is you know it's important to remember to do that but i one of the things i know i like to do all uh, a lot is i'll have a unit that garrisons a building like say uh with my tomb kings i'll throw uh, a unit of skeleton archers in a building maybe with my level four caster Gives my level four a great three, you know that great three sixty arc of sight, you know for it increases your things. range quite a bit, like Kenny was saying too. Yeah, it can. Well, not quite a bit, but, but then I mean, as soon as there, something comes close, so you get, the other you thing just, with the buildings, it's a big impassable piece of terrain. Otherwise, you know, unless somebody's going to move into the building and then move out of the building and then try to assault <laughs> me. So when it's something is close enough to charge the building, you're just going to move on threat, the other I can, side. You know, move out of the building onto the other side of it and you basically have bought yourself three to four <laughs> turns of hiding from that threat and if that's the only unit that's able to come bear down on your on your unit then you're doing you know you're doing pretty well mm-hmm. sure you might have a turn of cred i can't shoot at what i want to shoot at but or i want to yeah. can't cast spells at you what i want to cast spells unit, but <laughs> i've i've saved a huge chunk of points but without, without with just manipulating the building uh in the movement phase mm-hmm. so there's that. Um, I think it can also be kind of used against you in that same sense. Like if you have your powerful unit in a building, uh, you have that extra turn to like walk right by that building before that unit can jump out and have a charge at you. So you can kind of put something close and not worry about being charged by that unit if you're just hanging outside. Yeah, definitely. If that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I no, I, well. I think so. Like if you have your 
I, I've seen that where somebody's dropped, like, say, a unit of white lions or you know, executioners or witch elves or something like that into a building. And that's definitely a turn that, like, okay, well, they can't charge me now. Mm-hmm. I can use that turn to maneuver my unit safely past or around that unit. Now, yeah, sure, I might have to keep in mind that on their turn, they jump out of the building. But even then, you got to think of how they have to rank up the unit. They have to be touching one of the building sides. They have to keep their rear touching it. It can be a very difficult thing for them to always be able to get that unit into a good position to be able to take advantage of you moving past them. Mm-hmm. And then even then, you still have another full turn to react. I mean, in a six-turn game, having full turns to basically ignore something or be able to <laughs> plan on roughly where something's going to be and then you can react to it later... That's a pretty darn good thing. So definitely manipulating buildings in the movement phase is a huge part of taking advantage of buildings. Wouldn't you agree, Kenny? Yeah, I got hit actually from Bits. Uh, this, my second opponent was playing VC, and he had his ghouls or zombies go in and take this building they had. And then we were fighting all around it. But then he had them come out of the building, and the way he had to rank them up so the last guy's touching. Uh, you can't see this on the radio, but like he's here, and they're coming out almost perpendicular. And because of the way he had lined them up with the ranks, I couldn't charge past that. So he ended up blocking all these charges that I needed to go like and, and kill his guys. That wasn't cheesy at all. So, well, I, I was like, <laughs> and I was looking at the bulls like, is that true? Because I thought so. There wasn't anything you have base. to keep like a distance or anything. Well, I, for some reason, I thought I mean, he did. I mean, he had blocked me. He was an inch away from me, but he had the back rank touching, and they like, but they they had one guy basically touching, so they came out and did like a, like a wheel almost. But we were looking at the rules, and I guess that that's that's right, because you can't end more than double your movement, and the undead can't march. I don't think. No. But it, it was well within it, it the general, legit. We, can, we looked but... it up later, but it was just it was a good move on his part. Uh, it was like he came out and blocked, and I could not. Get, in the last hmm. turn we left, I just couldn't get my charges over there. So that was the end of that. <laughs> no, I definitely find that the the player that if there are buildings involved. If both players ignore buildings, then yeah, that's fine. But the, otherwise, when it comes down to a game in which buildings are involved, usually the player that understands the building rules better tends to be the player that wins the game um, in those cases because they understand how to manipulate that movement factor so much of buildings mm-hmm. and how they can lock up you know, movement and, and lanes and stuff like that. So that's a perfect example of, I think, that case scenario. I was thinking that, like, I'm pretty sure nine times out of ten in my games, like, I won't use a building in my games I play. Like, I'll just kind of ignore it. It's just a piece of impassable terrain at that point. I was thinking deployment can be kind of weird sometimes, too. Like, often there'll be a deployment or a building, like, on the edge of your deployment zone. And because it's partially out of it, you can't deploy anybody in there. So it makes it kind of rough whether you want to plan to move somebody into the building and then out of the building just to kind of get by it. It can be kind of a janky thing to maneuver around. It can be, yeah, definitely. That In that particular case, yeah. it can kind of be a, a, a nuisance. It always messes me up because I'm always trying to keep my VC so close together because of the general range and then all the invocations I want to get the most benefit so i'm always trying to keep them really compact so that can make it really hard when there's a big thing that's nearly impassable no especially when i'm setting up my army yeah especially if you like looking at it well turn three i'm going to be charging or i'm going to be receiving charges Mm -hmm. and now i could put a unit in that building but then the next turn they're going to come out the other side of the building and yeah that'll be pretty kind of even with my battle line but that turn three that i might have wanted to charge 
I couldn't have charged. Yep. And I think the other thing, like, I don't really, uh, play in VC, you don't really have that elite unit. I think they're who benefit the most from beating in a building. I mean, you'll be fighting straight up with uh, whatever your opponent has. So if you're kind of crap at fighting, if it's all down to just fighting, <laughs> chances are you're pretty going to lose. But the b- other thing with the undead is they don't auto-break, so you're just going to be in that building till they're killed to a man, which is the other benefit of that. That is true. So, moving on as far as advantages uh, to buildings and how they impact the Warhammer game, uh, looking at them from the magic phase, there's not a huge remarkable difference here in the magic phase. Maybe fire spells start coming into play here because you get to reroll the wound to damage there. Some um, spells can get really confusing how it affects a miscast <laughs> unit in a building, I think. Yeah. When you're casting it on somebody in a building, if it's forcing them to move or different hits. Because you don't get any benefit from like a magic missile or anything like that when you're in a building because there's no cover, right? No. Nope. So it's you just pretty much the damage no, yeah, no benefit there. That's, that's actually worth noting if you are the player that's attacking the building mm-hmm. and you have the choice of maybe some small arms fire like bow shots or crossbow shots or shooting that you that can fire missile. at the building or you could fire at a different target or yeah magic missling the building hmm well i could fire i could blast this birdie you know this fireball or equivalent like spell at the at the unit that's in the building and do 2d6 hits at them or or i could basically shoot at them with this shooting unit well, when they're in the building, they got all them bonuses to make it really difficult for me to hit them mm-hmm. with my small arms fire and my bow shots and my crossbow shots. So definitely, uh, you know, tail, shoot at shoot at them with a magic missile here and soften them up, and then I'll take my small arms fire and shoot them somewhere else mm-hmm. um, to maximize my shot. So, yeah, definitely something to keep in mind. You should be miscast, too. That's come up. So say you may be in a big unit and you miscast. Like who you're actually um, touching. Yeah, so, so if, if, you're in, if you're in the building and your wizard is in a, like a bunker unit and you miscast, if you're outside, you know, the template might end up getting like 10 or 20 of your guys. But if you're inside, it's a template weapon, right? So you would yep. just, if say you were going to hit eight guys, you could reduce that to a D6. Uh-huh. So it can actually benefit you a little bit if you're. What in if there. you get like everybody in base contact with them? Isn't that one of the results? Yeah, it is. Uh, then what? I, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm not sure on that one. Honestly. I think. Yeah. I in my know. games, uh, I think it would make sense to just do D6. The same if that came up. I think yeah, it would be a or, or maybe he did. Uh, he he did how he was ranked up before, which ended be up being more than six. But he was cool. But I am that player that does not know the rules as well for building, so I'm on the losing side of that. <laughs> but I also don't like buildings. I, I don't like them in the game. Huh. Mm, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> I can tell you why, but you do this first. <laughs> well, yeah, like, I think we're going to finish our recap. Definitely recon. like to take advantage of that. From the magic side of things, I, uh, the other thing to kind of remember is the, if I remember right, vortexes treat the buildings as impassable. I don't exact, I don't remember exactly how vortexes work against buildings, if you can push them through them. Yeah, so, I can't say. Hey, somebody's got either. a robot. We're doing really good. I almost think it would count as hitting the... Well, if it counted as hitting the unit, if it went through it, I guess it would I still just do D6 hits then, right? stop an inch away, though, from it's kind of Oh. I think. That's an interesting thing to I know if you're remember. trying to save yourself from a vortex. Yeah. Maybe you can jump yourself in a building. <laughs> I think we'll then, have a ruling shortly. But the other <laughs> but other template spells, too, might be might be useful to throw at, at units in a building if they but don't you're probably gonna drastically. Yeah, I guess, I mean, sometimes you might have a better footprint to hit 
if they don't scatter, but then you're only doing D6 hits. I guess I was that was going to be a question when you get to shooting phase, is if that's usually probably going to be better protection from you if you're shooting like a stone thrower or something at a unit. Normally you'd get like 20 guys or 16 guys or so, but now you're only getting well, D6. Let's let's talk about that uh, while Kenny's looking up the rules. So in the shooting phase, when you're shooting but I guess things they like are all stone high throwers, strength. That's the yeah. Benefit. If you can hit a hole, if you can hit the hole on the building with a stone thrower, you're getting instead of a bunch of strength three hits, you're or the lower end strength, mm-hmm. you're getting all max strength hits. So a standard stone that, thrower, so you're gonna hit these six models good. at strength nine rather than. 17 guys at strength 3 and Same especially when you're wounding cannons tough too, 4 though. guys with decent armor saves and then cannons you're probably going to you have a chance of hitting 6 guys when that probably wouldn't be too likely normally yeah, depending on, the, on how, how the, the units, units ranked are, up yeah. Yeah. when you also don't have to wait to kill that guy in the front too with that well cannons don't care when they're they standard just, infantry yeah monstrous infantry it's just monstrous infantry then you that you care about there i guess that's another thing cannons, we didn't cover in the movement any phase. multiple wound weapons against uh, multiple wound weapons like a stone thrower uh-huh. and a cannon against a building that's d6 hits each one of those hits is going to do d6 wounds you can blow away multi-wound models that are Except hanging out in buildings like ogres hate buildings <laughs> for the single factor because it's just amazingly destructive for them sitting in a building uh-huh. they will just get when somebody hits it with a cannonball <laughs> or hits it with a a uh, stone thrower stone thrower I uh, didn't think about that. That's brutal. pretty brutal. I don't know about the Vortex. So it says it's a template weapon, and it would stop within an inch of a unit. Um, I don't know if, if you would treat it as uh, a template. I think it would make sense that it would pass through it the same as if that building was the unit would be like how I would expect it. Would it go through, and then you would do D6 You would do D6. Yeah, maybe. yeah. That sounds right. I think that sounds the most reasonable. I'm not sure if yeah, the rules lay that out anywhere, but... What is reasonable isn't how people yeah. rule the rules lawyer <laughs> things all the time or how the rules are written, I guess. Yeah, so... Um, but yeah, so definitely multi-wound yeah. weapons against buildings, both magic and shooting, I guess, both. I mean, if you hit a pit of shades against a unit that's a, you know, say a monstrous infantry unit, uh, it's just basically the same thing. D6 initiative just, tests are die. Yeah, they're dead. So that, yeah. you could hit a lot more guys with that. So, yeah, potentially, yeah. You know, again, small arms fire, though, the bows and crossbows and handguns and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So you're at a hard cover with an additional minus one when you're shooting at things in a building as far as ballistic skill penalties. So that's Is it brutal. minus three? I thought I'm it was pretty just a straight sure up minus, minus three. two from the hard cover, but I could be wrong with that. And then, I guess shooting out of buildings gets kind of interesting, too. Yeah, shooting out of buildings. So one of the things that I... cover. Hardcover. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just hardcover. Yeah. For being shot at. So, anyways, uh, shooting at buildings. Another one of the big, the big uh, effects from shooting at buildings is one of the things I see people do and make a mistake on all the time. Is at the beginning of the game they don't discuss the number of levels in each building. Mm -hmm. So then, once it's like, okay, it's turn three, and I thought that build that building was. I've spent three turns of my game maneuvering my unit so I can get into this building and now shoot you with my 20 guys because I thought that was a level 4 building. What do you mean? It's only a level 2 building, Ben. Yeah, it's only a level 2. Now we have an <laughs> argument that's, that, that was unnecessary because 
we didn't state right off the fact. And, yeah. and if you and if it doesn't go the guy who thought it was a level four, well, all of a sudden now he shorted ten shots, mm-hmm. and maybe your tactics from the other side of things. Now you're kind of so you kind of mess up. The, so it's very important to talk about how many levels before the game starts. Just like all your terrain, you should be clear with your opponent on all your terrain. But this is a big one to make sure that you make you mention and are clear on with your opponent before the start of the game. Yes. And if you go to an event, usually the table will have like if it's the terrains laid out, it'll tell you like doesn't don't you guys from Mary Mayhem don't you put on the table how many buildings or how many levels it is? I do. Yeah, there's a description of what everything is. So it's very it should be hopefully very clear to the players. You know, this is a level two building. This is a level three building. This is a level six building. This is a multi-part building. All those kind of things, and I think we even use a multi-part building in one scenario or one of the tables. So, well, yeah, there's a lot of those big ones from <laughs> the Warhammer terrain, whatever the huge tower. Well, Skullvein Mance, I think. Yeah. I, I might treat Skullvein Mance as a multi-piece. Oh, you know, I forgot. Level yeah, six. I forgot about that. How you can have like yeah, multiple buildings tied so, together, kind of. Thing. Yeah. So, and we'll talk. We'll mention multi-piece, multi-building uh, buildings. Um. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, knowing that you can get how many levels you can only get five guys that can shoot per level. There are only so many windows or doors or other type orifices that you can point missile weapons out of. <laughs> orifices. It could be Nurgle <laughs> or Slanesh. <laughs> anyway, could be, could be a funky chaos tower. I just got my butt kicked by Slanesh. <laughs> So you definitely want to kind of keep that in mind and make sure that when you're picking out your your tables and your terrain that you or that you do specify that and then you five guys per level. That is 360 though arc of arc of sight. So you can pick a target 360 and you measure your range from the building, yep. not from where the models might be stationed in the building, but from the edge of the building itself, which is can be you know it's when good. you're looking for the closest point from the building, that's the only part you care about. Your shots are from that spot. Let's move my dwarves to get a little bit. Like I put the iron drakes in there if I can, and you get a little bit. You get the protection, and then you get the extended range a little bit because the building, the footprint of that building is bigger. Exactly, and and it gives them. It just gives them a better arc of fire too for such a strong, you know, small arms fire type troop unit. It definitely gives them uh, so much more flexibility. One of the weak spots of that of a unit like that is that they they're a move or fire, right? I know that they actually can move in. They fire. can move yeah, and fire. So, <laughs> but you're still you're suffering movement. You're still suffering ballistic skill penalties every time you move and fire. Um, you know, and you're probably having to take a musician and swift reform. And as soon as you get in that building, all of that's just gone because now you're 360 around you. Yay! And uh, I guess you know, get charged. But I, so I would recommend also what I learned, especially this past weekend, is if you are going to garrison a building, you if you care, you may want to put a larger unit in there, because when you get to combat, which I guess is for coming up next, I mean they can you know if you, if they have their their characters unit that charges you, and say they get you know like twenty something attacks, and they go before your ten guys get up and get cut down, well that's the end of that, you know and you can only do that so many times. So yeah, no, we do we we talk about combat so. In combat, you once you have combat, so you have these, you know, the building was assaulted, and you have these two units, and they pick ten. Their you pick your ten guys, they pick their ten guys. Now you can still step up, like if it's your ten normal warrior, you know, normal dwarf warriors with great weapons, 
you still get to step up and fill in the normal guys. So yes. it's not like okay, your ten guys get yeah. chopped down and you don't get to step up. No, you'll backfill up your, you'll backfill in and still have ten guys to swing when it's their opportunity and initiative order to swing. But, um, and just like just like any combat, if you get chopped down before when you run out of guys, well, too bad they're not going to get the slot then. <laughs> But uh, definitely, combat resolution in a building is based off of kills and kills only. There's no yep. bonuses for banners or nothing like that. The melee is too wild to be able to worry about a who's you know. And people are in a <laughs> building; they can't see a flag that's waving, trying to tell them that this is the rally point to <laughs> to for the formation, or you know that the formation is here. And they can't. There's no push of ranks because you're in a building and. Scattered amongst the floors of the building, usually most Warhammer buildings I've we found have giant giant basements, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and so you you know, you you know that makes real sense that the combats come down to kills, and if I remember right, it's you can direct up to six of your attacks at a single model. Yeah, yep. six of your models worth of attacks in a single model. So another interesting thing with the characters, you don't have to have your characters in that fight either if you don't want to. So that's kind of a way you can protect some of your weaker characters or maybe if you have more characters on your opponent, that can really benefit you. But you can get those attacks piled on you. Yep, no, also. that's one of the things I like doing with the Tomb Kings is I'll take that building with my 20 archers. Keep your Lich protected. Keep my Lich Priest in that, in that building. I'll even let them get charged by something that, yeah, sure, it'll kill some skeletons, but it's not going to pop my skeleton unit outright. The next turn, I step out, you know, you're steadfast in a building, and in the case of Undead, I just stay in there. If you don't kill me outright, I stay in there. Mm-hmm. You get pushed off an inch. My next turn, I'll move out of the building on the opposite side of it. Now you can't even see me. Ha ha. Yep. Now you got to move into the building because of where you got pushed off an inch. <laughs> you can't wheel around the building, so your only option is now to move into the building. And at that point, I'm hightailing it somewhere. You still got to move out of the building. And then by the time you move out of the building, oh, I'll jump back in. <laughs> so Team buildings. <laughs> they, they, they can be very annoying for that fact. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, that's kind of, that's that kind of stuff that saves your bacon. Um, and uh, so when you fight these combats, you've got your, your 10 guys and, and they, everybody dukes it out. And this is going to be really important to, like, I got to keep in mind that, okay, well, I'm fighting this combat against Kenny's Hammers, and Kenny's Hammers are in the are garrisoning the building. So I know they're going to swing second. I know they're going to two attacks per model. That's, you know, 10 Hammers, that's 20 attacks. Maybe there's a champion's worth of attacks in there, 21 attacks. You know, he can direct six of those, up to six of those at a character. Six, weapon skill five, strength six attacks at... <laughs> At one of my characters, maybe I don't want to shoot. Throw in my throw in my big fighty. Well, could you direct six attacks character. or six models? Six models. So that would be twelve. Attacks. <laughs> twelve attacks at yeah. weapon skill five, strength six at Ouch. at a single character. That could be brutal. I mean, that could be just you know, I don't care how tough you are in a Warhammer world. That's yeah. just hard to survive. So you know, that's you know, you gotta opt, and those are the kind of things you. I I. I I know, I know we're talking about building rules, but that's something that a lot of people just don't take advantage of as much. And I know, you know, I know I've heard you kind of complain about it, about yeah. attacks directed 
at characters, but it is pretty bogus to have it, six at minimum six attacks coming at one guy because he happens to be in your front rank and you're fighting a horde. You know, but it's so annoying because there's like nothing you can do to like defend against. At it. the anyway, same time, I've watched people. Don't get me started. <laughs> yeah, I've no, watched okay. people just ignore the fact that you're like, hey, there's this. It's called man. chivalry, man. There's this vampire chivalry. guy. <laughs> and Honor. Just, and he's just beating me. Maybe I won't bother to direct any attack. Ah, I'll never I won't take any attacks at that guy. I'll just yeah. let him kill ten guys of mine at a crack. You know? well, it's kinda common to think too. Uh he has a ward save or he's got a two up save and a four up ward save. Yeah. Am I gonna well, do enough damage? I know usually my general's alright for those reasons, I think, but like my hero is like I don't even know what the point of taking a fighty hero is even if I like give him a two up armor save like that you, many attacks you and most like, of the rest of the world doesn't know don't doesn't know what the point is of taking a fighting hero on yeah. front <laughs> i know a little bit but not that much anyway buildings <laughs> so yeah so yeah definitely want to keep that in mind you know when you have opportunities if you have competent combat troops you want to look for those opportunities to kill you know where you could potentially kill characters because it's going to be you know that's a victory point swing I'm going to be steadfast in this building if you're defending. Your opponent's going to have to step an inch away, and it's going to be your turn on the next turn. That's not a, not a bad thing. I mean, it's not a guarantee that you're going to stick in the building either. I mean, but even if you lose the combat and are forced out of the building and run away, you're still the, the only thing the your opponent can do is move into the building. There's no pursuit move. Your unit is safe. Mm-hmm. Well, so a common scenario I see in games, I mean, it more than just my own, is like, so you're in the building, and that's the only thing you have left on the table, really, to like save you for into round four or five, and then your opponent just brings his units and surrounds the building. But you can only fight then, one at a time. Yeah, so you sit there, but then if you ever get out of there, I guess pretty much, flee through no matter which way you go, yeah, you're screwed. Uh, <laughs> but you're not dead outright, at least. You just No, not anymore. It used to be. The, yeah, it used to be, but now it's just a dangerous terrain if you flee through enemy. Yeah, so just positioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't like buildings that much. I'll, if they're there, you know, at an event it's going to be there. But I, I don't like what it does to the game. Just I personally, know. I think if I had a total recap about how I feel about buildings, like I think in general, like the rules balance each other out, benefits and negatives all kind of work together. It can be either to your advantage or to your disadvantage if your opponent's using it well. But I think it won't be that deciding of a factor in a game normally. Like maybe it can save you to a draw or something if you're. Keeps keeping your one unit alive or whatever, like kind of the instances you've been talking about. But I think the only time that buildings are a problem is when you're fighting Watchtower. <laughs> I think like that's the one. Like I mean, Watchtower is bad because of the building rules. I think is really the only problem with that. I mean, when you get that one unit in there that you can only fight, maybe it's like the like Chaos Warriors or something like that, and all I have is like skeletons to go up against. It's like how the hell am I ever gonna get that unit out of? The- Cavalry can't get thing. in a building, right? They, no, can't they can assault it, they can but assault you can't actually So David and I just rolled, we rolled our game. He has an all-mounted army, and uh, he, we rolled six for the scenario, so I don't want to do Watchtower. But I was just thinking now, well, I could have actually won that, because I could have got in there, and he would never be able to, to uh, garrison that. So in Watchtower... But you can be next to it, and so when is it? I think we've we've talked about the combat, so let's talk about what the Watchtower scenario, since that's related to buildings. <laughs> so the Watchtower scenario, you have a building that's dead smack in the center of the build in the, in the dead smack in the center of the board. It's really should be a level three tower, in my opinion. It's really based off of that old yeah. small plastic Games Workshop tower yep. building. Not the giant Dreadstone Blight. <laughs> it's the little small one that's a level 3 tower. It's about a 
four inch by four inch square. And that's in the center of the board. And one, one player gets to for free. They win, they roll, win the roll off for free. They can use a core unit, 20 miles or less to garrison the building right off the bat. The other player becomes a defending player and picks their side of the board and deploys a unit. Now this scenario basically turns into uh, almost every time I've played it has turned into first it's it's no longer victory's point victory points game because it's whoever's unit is closest to the tower and being in the tower is closest. So yes, if you're if you're both equidistant a, somehow, I think yeah, if you're somehow <laughs> then it's victory points. <laughs> I'm not sure. How I don't that know happens, if that's ever but, happened. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Um, so it basically works out that player, player, the defender, defender t- hopefully has a unit that will qualify that he can put in the building. I think quite often I've, people s- don't. Yeah. If, if, <laughs> if you have a core infantry, list, usually it's going to be bigger than 20 man. Yeah. Or it's like, or it's like an archer unit or, or something, something, like that. Yeah, something that you're yeah, not going to no. put in there. So then you have... So then you have this, if you manage to have a unit you can put in there, the, the opponent basically gets one free turn on their turn to charge the building, <laughs> and because of, it, because of the building, the, ten, you know, the size of the building, it's about two to three inches closer to the opponent's deployment zone, so they're looking at needing a nine, maybe a ten, to reach the building on that first turn charge with whatever unit. So they get a turn to charge the building with their baddest arse unit they probably have. <laughs> and if they can kill you outright or break you out of the building, now you're basically, as the defender of the building starting the game, you're basically now the attacker. <laughs> and if you manage to hold, then you still have to move your unit up and then still sustain another round of combat or find some other way to manipulate or stop the movement of that of that unit that's going that's now one inch away from the your building or, or the watchtower that's going to charge it again that's probably mm-hmm. your opponent's baddest awesomest unit <laughs> and somehow you know get the world dragon high elves in there oh, yeah. yeah that's a rough one you know, anything elf is usually a really rough one to yep. knock out of a building because they're fairly elite fighters they're fairly decent unit size and they can have some pretty decent protection mm-hmm. on especially the characters so yeah no and then think, yeah that's the only time that buildings suck is in watchtower yeah no it's a, but yeah it's just a bad setup. that's that's probably my my least favorite building I type s- like I understand scenario how thing. a defending the center thing would be kind of cool, but I think the building part is what actually messes it that scenario breaks up. That, breaks like that I know scenario. quite often a tournament scenario, at least for Mary Mayhem, I think it's a pretty good staple. Is kind of a hold the middle thing, get your fortitude within the center for you your know, victory points. We should try one time. I have the old book, the Warhammer Siege. They had these old rules, and you and you have some of the towers, I think, right? You have some. I have the, the old. The I have the old Warhammer Fortress. Yeah, I have a full fortress. And I got the Siege book at home. So I like doing it like that way, but I think what I don't like, especially maybe it's just Watchtower more than buildings, but I, I kind of feel like it's cheap. Like it kind of takes away from the game. And I know it's tactical. Like if, if you're smart enough to be able to use it and use it right. Yeah. But I feel like I've played in games where they just my opponent goes in there and it's pretty much, and then I basically am just throwing myself against them. I can't 
ever get them out of there. Mm -hmm. And then it's just kind of like grinding and throwing things at the building. So I feel what I want to do actually is I've learned from this. Well, I'm not just going to grind my units against you and just give you these points for free. Just ignore it. So I just stand back and like, well, that's it. We're drawing. And that's <laughs> the end of the game. Yeah. And I don't know. I just feel like I'm not getting a game of Warhammer out of it when the building is such a central part of it like yeah. that. Well, then... I don't know. I hate blaming the rules for a game like that. Like, I'll blame the player. I mean, they're taking <laughs> advantage to play the rules out like a D-bag. And I think that's my main thing. Like, usually it balances out enough. I mean, if you're going to put something in the building, it's like, fine, whatever. You can sit in the building. It's like, I'm going to be out here if you need me. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to come and attack you because it's a lost cause. But I don't know. I was going to say, I would note that, you know, thinking about Watchtower and thinking about games where the where uh, people take buildings and and or have a building where it plays a major role I, I start to question I mean, particularly in watchtower scenario if we just look at that scenario in particular if I know going in I'm going to pl be potentially playing this scenario I know I've got to be able to deal with it and that means I've got to take tools of my army that work well at dealing with buildings that's a pretty good thought. in the other phases mm -hmm. and you know in the other phases like i don't have to Fight assault that building yeah. you know right off the bat i don't have to if if my opponent gets something in there that's tough as nails okay it's gonna be they're a two up armor save unit or a three up armor save you know say they they've got iron breakers in there or they've got Banner of the World Dragon White Lions in the building. So it's there's 20, 30 guys in that building, and they're all tough as nails. Well, one, womp, womp. when I start playing that game, identify... when As soon as you start playing that game, identify what that unit is in the, on the other side of the board. We're all... I think everybody... You know, if you've played a few games of Warhammer, you're starting to get to know what the, what the units are. And you're you're thinking that you're maybe a tournament tournamentish level player, you know, even amateurs like I think the, th the three of us. I don't speak for myself. The amateur like myself is. I won't speak speak for the rest I'm of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we're all amateurs, but uh, I'm, I'm way better than. Hey, you. I was no. in the top fifty percent no, at bits. Definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, picking out that you know you pick out that unit and then use the tools that you're in your army's disposal to either manipulate the movement of that unit so they can't get in the tower. Or if you can't, if you, you know, if you don't have that tool, maybe you have a shoot, maybe you have shooting tools, maybe you have spell tools, whatever it is that you, that whatever tool that you have, if, if you take those tools in your list to try to prevent that unit from being able to take advantage of it, and maybe that's, uh, you know, if I'm thinking my dwarf, or if I'm taking dwarfs, like I'm thinking right now, well, that means maybe I take a couple of cannons and, you know, because when I start pounding that, you know, I don't have to charge that building. Once that, once that big Uber unit gets in that building on turn two or three, I don't have to charge. I, I only have to worry about the game ending, and it's pretty much not going to end on turn four. Pretty, pretty high probability it won't end on turn four. So I've got at least till turn five. So if I plan my my assault on the building for turn five and just do what everything I can to soften up that units in that building for that turn five five assault. You know that you know I soften up that Uber unit. It's gonna be a lot easier for me to mm -hmm. for that last turn to hopefully bust it out. Um, still dicey, but at least there's that. At least now I've I've manipulated my army the best I can to towards that scenario. And it, it's I can see where people may go like, yeah, that kind of sucks. I got to build an army towards maybe a, a scenario or a building, but 
uh, or to, to have to deal with the building rules. But if you don't, and then you, I think that's where the biggest part where people get bit um, with the building rules is when they don't, you, you, you're either, you either don't know how to deal with it well enough or you don't have the tools in necessarily in your list like uh i know i'm i'm really good at not taking very many art uh, artillery pieces of my dwarfs i feel like generally speaking when i do that when i take a lot of artillery which is potentially stronger um it can lead to either an unfair or unfun game if i'm playing fairly defensively or it can be like I just le- I just lost the game because I lost all my artillery and I didn't lose any of my blocks. Mm-hmm. So I I tend not to take a lot of artillery. Now, if I don't have another mechanism to stop that, all oh, you I, got is combat. You know, all I got are combat blocks. You know, all I can do is throw my combat blocks at that building. Well, then yeah, I'm going to get a draw out of it, and that's mm-hmm. I'm either going to throw my combat blocks at the building and lose lose a block. Even at some point, and not probably do enough damage to their unit, and be like, "Oh, what the what's what's the point of this?" Or <laughs> I'm gonna be, or I'm gonna be, screw it, sit back and play defense. And so I, I kind of get where you're coming from, Kenny. Let, let me put you in a scenario then. Say, say you got Bretts against uh, high elves or something, and the high elves go in the building, and they're both throwers, or, or say they took eagles, which I don't know if high elf players have ever taken me, but there are eagles you can take eventually. Or like <laughs> apparently you can take eagles. Say that they they take out your trebs. So all you have are your knights, and uh, you, they, you, they are basically have like their Death Star unit with the wizard and all that crap in the building, and you have no way of really doing this. Any points you throw against that building are just grinding them out, and you've lost your trebs. What, what would you do? Would you, if if you realize you can't get this, would you say draw? And then how how do you feel doing that to somebody? That's that's one of the worst possible matchups because of the <laughs> army build, because it is Bretts and they are cavalry based. And yeah, that's that's pretty horrendous. I I would say you. I'll send my peasant archers in, fight them out. (laughs) Go get a peasant. Where's where's my L four life so I can dwellers the heck out of that unit? Okay, so you build you build a list to take out like five to try and be the best balanced over five games if if you're doing a tournament, and and you get to that last one, it's the building. I mean, how how do you feel as a player saying, okay, I can't win this? Uh, Do you want to just call us a draw? Because that's weird for me as a player to do that to kind of concede like that. I don't know. I feel weird about doing that. But I, I can't do anything about it with the way the rules are written. I think I do it pretty often where I'll get to a point in the game and be like, I can't win this. I lose. Like, thanks. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how my, usually, my games usually go by like that by turn 30. It yeah, unless I'm actually a playing hours. a good game for a change. It depends on how frustrated I, I think I am. I've, I've had games where, I'll be honest, I'm just really frustrated. Yeah. I'm not into it, and it's been a struggle. But, uh... Which I had, I, I, you know, I, I have had those games in the past, but in in the case in in the, in that particular case, let's let's take the Bretts versus the Bretts versus uh, Hyle. Anybody really? <laughs> Bretts versus anybody in in the building. That's a tough one for the Bretts because it's a cavalry build army. But what are the tools that Bretts have to be able to do with that? Obviously, you have the trebuchets. Trebs and magic. Flaming arrows kind of help, you have, too. You have the mag- you, you know, Flaming arrows can help. Um, but magic. Lore, you know, L4 with dwellers is your biggest one of your biggest tools there. Because if you're obliterating, most units are, are strength 3 or strength 4. If you're eliminating a third, I don't care if you're Banner of the World Dragon High Elves. <laughs> dwellers don't care. <laughs> You're dropping a third. You're dropping a third to a half of that elf unit every turn. 
You that get, unit's going to be down by yeah, ten, by it, turn yeah. three or by turn four or five because you're going to get a dwellers or two through when you're picking up six dice and tossing them. That unit's going to be down. <laughs> <laughs> Cascade you know, on turn one. <laughs> you you could. I, I mean, mean yeah. if that's the case, I mean, there's not much you can yeah, do. Yeah, it's just and the dice. Whether it's your opponent in in in, in, in your opponent on the other side of the board is going to be like and. I don't. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to deal with it either. When when you have an army meltdown like that, but uh, <laughs> but you, the tools are there to help with that game. Yeah. And, and then your rest of your army co- becomes. What is the rest of your army doing? Well, your rest of your army is protecting those tools till you get to a point where you can find where late in the game you finally do yeah. your assault on that building. It's. I have a hard time thinking like that all the time. It's like usually when I play on the table, like or play a battle. It's like I'm always thinking about how I'm actually going to beat my opponent rather than objectives necessarily. So Watchtower is a really hard one like that. Like I usually start end up fighting a battle. And it's like I think if I win this battle, it's like of course I can have the building. But I very I have a hard time just concentrating on keeping that building. Like usually be an afterthought on turn three. It's like oh yeah, I'm supposed to like <laughs> fight for that thing. <laughs> I understand that. And, yeah, definitely. I think that's a huge thing when it comes to that scenario in particular and Warhammer fantasy players is that we are so victory points orientated. We, we are, we're mindsets about how do we score victory points? How do we kill units? How do we, you know, if we're in, in a, especially I've played Watchtower where I've watched my army get disintegrated, but I win because I yeah. held that Watchtower I <laughs> because I kept it in mind that that was the objective and you know, used my army to maintain my objective. Yeah, I, I think that was the last game of Watchtower I played. Like, I flubbed it and didn't even think about the scenario. And, like, whatever, turn six or whatever, I realized my skeleton archers or something, or or was my skeleton bunker unit with my necromancer could charge, like, the building, <laughs> and they fought out. I don't even remember what was in there. Couldn't have been much of anything. Yeah, there good. wasn't much of anything in there, but I managed to, like, kill them outright and claim the building, and then the game ended. <laughs> like, Yay! all the rest of my stuff was destroyed, but my skeleton bunker, you know, like, won the building. If there was one more turn, I would have been horribly dead, but... But, but that's not the same... It's <laughs> just really funny. In the same perspective, your opponent also probably lost sight of... Yeah, um, he could have... ...objective, and you, you were both That's exactly playing, what happened. You were both were playing a game of Warhammer uh-huh. that happened to accidentally be the Watchtower scenario. Yep. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah right before like he had the building and then he, there was a unit he could have had he, i think they were blocking the building from that charge already but they moved for like a flank or something like that that's <laughs> it was like crap like two seconds right after that it's like and uh, those and a lot of times those it was are the cheesy kind of thing i don't that... feel like it was a win though is the thing it's like one more turn i would have been horribly destroyed so whatever yeah. <laughs> how would you guys like something in maybe ninth edition or whatever they come out with next if they did something like 40k, where the building has an armor value, and you can take it down, it has like five all points. I think that would whatever. be neat, but a complicated thing. I think one thing I would really like, like I don't think it's ever been before, but I mean they limit how many shots you can take and how many people can fight in a building, but limit how many how many men can fit in that freaking building. Because I've had. 40 models in an outhouse size thing before and I was like ready to flip the table over crapper. sword slash in there <laughs> Ben <laughs> like I don't know that happened at one of the Merry Mayhems like I was so annoyed with that <laughs> I was playing Bretts at the time too I, I, it's yeah, like okay. I'm with you on that one it's, that it's, is it's that like is, that's one of the biggest Warhammer, oversights there is in I mean if 
like watchtower could probably even work just fine if you could fit like 20 guys in this two level building it's like how many things are going to be that hard to grind out of there then if you do have to if it comes down to that grind i mean it's just a lot more not realistic mention, not to mention how many armies have an innate that warhammer have a 20 units, man so, unit yeah to have that's that worth many anything tw- yeah. throw away 20 man units so i don't know i think that would be a huge thing that could just easily switch that the, would help, all, everything yeah. we've been complaining about is what size unit you can put in a building yeah no it's definitely a factor and it's even a factor that i've taken into consideration for some of the mayhem <laughs> mayhem tables yeah. was like they have these orc watchtowers and they're kind of rickety looking <laughs> and it's pretty clear they're like on stilts and there's a small little platform <laughs> on the top there's no way a 40 man unit you know it's definitely a building it's definitely a kind of a watchtower but there's no way that it's a 40 man unit it's gonna fit in there so it's i've got rules i think it says that the rules for the scenario, or the rules for that table, yeah, like say 10 that there's even ten, or something, yeah. ten models is the max because it's work construction. <laughs> they do a pyramid yeah, in there, sure <laughs> but yeah, no, it's definitely, and you know, maybe that's something too that you use as a house rule for your buildings and your games that help makes the buildings better. I know it's not part of the core rules, but maybe mm-hmm. that's that's definitely something I think, you know unit size you know total unit size that's we kind of made kind of made that joke about every building in the warhammer world has the largest basement yeah. <laughs> you know have multi-level basements yeah. and stuff because you know honestly we're having these you know we're playing eighth ed warhammer and it's not uncommon to have units of 50 60 70 80 even 100 models to be seen on the table and you know, maybe those 100 model units are a little more co- uncommon <laughs> But like you're playing against Skaven, or you're playing against orcs and goblins, and there's a bunch of go- you know a goblin army, zombies, and you're zombies. And you got like <laughs> yes. 50, 50 models in this unit, and they just go, whoop. I just went into this small building, this little level Oops. one hut. How do they fit in there? It's <laughs> 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 the clown car yeah. of buildings, into you know. The phone booth. Right, right now, what I'm going to do basically, unless it's a tournament, if my opponent rolls Watchtower, like, do you mind if we reroll that? <laughs> Well, the other that's thing, pretty common on game nights, you know. I, I just hate Watchtower. Uh, Most like, our players like, no, oh, whatever, we have to why do not? But Battle for the Past is my particular hatred. I understand it. Well, if you know, if you're going to play a game and you know you're not going to enjoy it, then you could easily agree with your opponents that this is just not going to be a fun uh, game. If I do that, like, I'm afraid I'd do that against too many armies. But the other, the other thing too is like <laughs> with with Watchtower. <laughs> I have that feeling a lot at the beginning of the game. Watchtower is an easy scenario to fix. Like, if you roll it, go okay. Instead of us having a building in the center of the board, let's put in a marker. There. Let's let's or put a marker the on the center, center of the board. Every, a pretty and tree. Fortitude points. <laughs> yeah, a perfect tree. <laughs> and, and they count fortitude points within twelve inches of that. Yeah. Whoever has the most at the end of the game is the winner. It's more like a capture the flag then than it is a, mm-hmm. a building. King of the hill. You know, you know, king of the hill then. Essentially. King of the crapper. <laughs> I think that's kind of what they're going for. But yeah, just the building mechanics love it yeah it's a it, I, I i can see that but i also i think i think some of it is and, and there's some I, I definitely agree there's some of that there's there's definitely the building mechanics can can skew it but there's also some of the you people warmer players a lot of warmer players tend to lose sight of objective paste because it's we don't have objective based nope. gameplay <laughs> in warhammer so all of a sudden you have this objective based scenario and you lose sight of that objective Yep, I do. <laughs> I admit. Like, yeah, I want to yeah. just grind and want to fight my units and I want to fight these combats. Well, oops, that wasn't the best thing to do in this scenario because I need to play to the scenario. Yeah. So, cool. all, right, all right, so that's. I think we talked enough about buildings talked and Watchtower in particular. Let's go <laughs> ahead and, and so we talked about bolt action today, right? Yep, check it out. That we were definitely much more excited 
about than buildings. It was more positive. We, it was much more positive. <laughs> we did talk about buildings. Brian got emotional. We had to sword slash him. It was terrible. Oh my! Hopefully Ben remembered to do that. Well, I, I'm pretty sure you pointed it out pretty well after hey, you I, did it. I think I did that one other time though, and he missed it. I know. I caught it. I heard it anyways. Oh. Anyways, hey, at least you edit that stuff out. I don't. <laughs> we, we, it's we a do, family show. We here. do try to have that family friendly <laughs> moniker here. We kind of caught up a little bit on what we've been doing. It's been a while since we recorded, so there's been a lot of stuff kind of going on. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, episode 52, I think this is, uh, in the books. Sounds right. Well, it will be. Yeah. So We're going thanks, back in Thanks a lot, folks. Bits. Yeah. Bits is your other one? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you did 52. I'm going to find out real quick. Mm, nope. Maybe not. There's a lot of them going out. Yeah. 50 was our last one. Yep. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Get Oops. with it, Kenny. <laughs> so, You're anyways, my 22 podcast. Make like a tree. Yeah, let's make like a tree and leave. Or get right. the F out of here. <laughs> ah, the guy. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, folks, for listening. Peace out. Later. <laughs>